Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad. Got the whole gang with you on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Do you have land financing needs? Well, if you do and you're in North Mississippi, then Mississippi Land Bank is where I would suggest that you go. We would suggest that you go. First of all, you're dealing with fantastic people, honest people who care about you, uh, they care about the state of Mississippi, and they care about uh, doing the job right. Plus, they've got all the experience in the world. Over a 100 years financing land in North Mississippi. You can find them online, a branch location near you, or the phone number to give them a call, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Michael Borky, what's up? Oh, happier than I thought I was going to be today. Really? Because, because of who dat and whatnot? Yeah, because at about 4.30 yesterday, I thought that I was going to have the most miserable afternoon. I mean, the Saints got punched in the mouth, Richard. It, it, the whole complexion of the game would have changed if Drew Brees just threw one accurate football to start the game, but nevertheless, it was intercepted. And after the first quarter, I thought, you know, Rippy was right on Friday. There's just something that you can't explain about Nick Foles that makes him win playoff games. It ended up being okay, and I'm much happier, but it was set up for misery. Uh, hey, Dad, what were your what was the range of emotion for you during the Saints game yesterday? Uh, for about oh gosh, what, about 45 minutes there, maybe an hour. I hated sports. Uh, I didn't. I thought sports were dumb. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna resign this job and try to become like a priest or something. I don't know. Uh, but are you it, Catholic? It came back, uh, well, you know, I can't do that because I'm married. But I could go back to my Orthodox roots, maybe. Uh, and then uh, it turned around. <laughs> it turned around. I'm okay now. We're good. I can keep working. Um, I was not able to watch a lot of the game, but I was following along on Twitter. Uh, in the airport, and I read over and over about this 92-yard drive that took 11 minutes and 29 seconds. Oh, it was the so go-ahead satisfying. touchdown for the Saints, and it was like this yo-yo drive, right? I mean, they yeah. would gain ground and then have a penalty, and then gain ground and then another penalty, and gain ground and then get sacked and whatnot. Pretty crazy technically, stuff. They, technically, it was a 18-play, 112-yard drive with the, with the penalties taken into account. Just ran it right on the back at the back of the end zone. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, Rippy, you you didn't get the same level of pleasure out of watching the Saints yesterday. No, but it was fascinating because I kind of had the same thoughts as Borky. Not necessarily that I'm right, but I was like, here we go again. Like this is this is unbelievable. They jumped on them fourteen to nothing. It seemed like everything was going their way, and then obviously, I think that I think the fake punt 
in their own from their own thirty kind of changed the course of the whole game. What a weekend of sports! There was uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. You had a ton of SEC basketball. You had the NFL playoffs, and you've got the drama of Kyler Murray and what he's doing. Now, I don't know if that's really on the radar of that many people uh, where we are. Let's go to Saturday afternoon. Ole Miss wins over Mississippi State in. Okay, so hey, Dad, you were there. Rippy, you were there. I was watching from a hotel room in Columbia, South Carolina, and you know was able to sit down and just kind of watch beginning to end. I know from a television standpoint, it looked great on TV. Hey, Dad, Rippy told me just a second ago it was one of the more fun games that he's been able to just sit and watch because of the entire environment and the atmosphere. It's what folks have been looking for at Humphrey Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. From if you were an unbiased observer, that was a fantastic basketball game from from start to finish. Great atmosphere at the hump. Uh, two good teams going back and forth, trading the lead. A lot of big plays. Had just the right amount of chippiness for a rivalry. Uh, it, it really did have it all. It was a, a really good, well contested basketball game that Ole Miss was able to get a very big win for. Pretty incredible when you weigh the the way you watch it unfold. Ole Miss is down ten in the first half. They cut it to two at the break. They're almost immediately, like blink of the eye, down nine in the second half, and then it turns into kind of a nip tuck game the uh, the rest of the way. Rippy said a second ago you were there. the The emotional roller coaster, I guess, for fans of both teams was pretty real during that one. Yeah, and you just felt like. Ole Miss at some point would kind of not decide enough is enough, but it had already been an emotional week by beating Auburn, and, and then you're on the road in another hostile environment, and you get down you know, double digits once, basically double digits in the second half. Again, you just thought you know they might kind of succumb to it all, but they battled back both times. The first half, it was mainly just kind of because Terrence Davis was in foul trouble. They lost Bree and Tyree for a brief second to the shoulder thing. They were just kind of out of whack in what's an already pretty thin rotation. But what really saved them for really for that whole game, and Kermit said it after the game, was that the ability to cut that 10-point lead to 2 at halftime. Because the way the game felt, you would have thought State was up 10 or 11, but then you look up and all of a sudden it's 41-39 at halftime, and as poorly as things had gone, you still felt like you had a chance if you were Ole Miss at that point. And on the we'll flip side in. of that, on the flip go, side go ahead, that, Ben Howland said after the game that he his, when they went to the locker room up to – he said it felt like in the locker room they were down 10, that Mississippi State was the one losing by double digits. He said he did not have a good feeling about the locker room when they went into the halftime break. So that's that's interesting to hear you say that, Rippy, because at, at Mississippi State, it was the opposite. State was winning, but they felt like they were losing. Why do you think that was? I, I would have to imagine it's because they had given up the 10-point lead it's relatively easily, too. That State was up 10, and it looked like they were cruising right along and maybe going to push this out to a 14-15 point lead and take control of the game, and Ole Miss just you know, came right back into it. I think that took a little bit of a wind out of MSU sales. All right, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to dissect Saturday as, uh, as best we can. We'll kind of walk through the game and look at some of the ups and the downs and the outstanding moments from it. Here's the rest of what happened this weekend. So we mentioned the Saints a second ago. They're down 14 nothing, and they come back to win against the Eagles to advance to the NFC Championship game, which they will host. We'll look at the other results coming up a little bit later this afternoon, including 
maybe not time just yet to count out Tom Brady and the Patriots. Is anybody surprised that the Patriots, once they get to the playoffs uh, and they have a chance, they look really, really good, and there is um, there's an opportunity for them to get to another Super Bowl? It's almost uh, like they've done it before. I told y'all. I told y'all don't bet against Tom Brady. Neither one of you wanted to listen to me on Friday. Wait, Borky and Rippy were going the other way? They, I think I think one of them took the Chiefs straight up and one took the Chiefs to cover. Yeah, I took the points. It, it just it was Wait, a the big Chargers spread. or the Chiefs? Chargers. I'm sorry, the Chargers, yes. I'm sorry, the Chargers, yeah. Okay. 41-28, the final in that one. Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs were pretty good. Nasty weather in the Midwest. They beat the Colts 31-13. Uh, Dak Prescott pretty good in the game yesterday, but the Cowboys' defense got gashed for 273 yards on the ground. Is, is that the biggest surprise of the weekend, that the Rams were able to do that on the ground against a Dallas defense that has been really good? It's one of them, for sure. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I thought that that was going to be a low-scoring defensive game, and uh, it was not. Does... um. Did, did anybody see Steve Sarkeesian as offensive coordinator at Alabama coming? <laughs> Doesn't seem like they're very happy one state over. We just jumped in the DeLorean and decided to uh, go back to the future, I suppose. That guy must be a ride yeah. in an interview room. Like he must, because he keeps getting jobs. He's the opposite of Brent Venables. Venables must be the worst interview in the world. But Sarkeesian just smoozes everybody. So. It's Lane Kiffin that has the job-hopping reputation, but when you start looking at Sart and the moves that he's made, and he's still a relatively young guy, this guy's had some jobs now, and he's had some high-profile jobs. Yeah, He probably shouldn't have lost the one he had. It's not like Atlanta was bad offensively this year. They had that early stigma of being so bad in the red zone, and they got better later as the year went on, but it seemed like that was just like... The jury was already, or you know, the jury had already come to a verdict in terms of kind of what he was. But I agree. I don't think he should have lost the one he had too. They weren't that bad. They had the old problem, right? They had they wouldn't throw it to Julio Jones in the red zone. Yeah, that's not a um, doesn't seem like the best plan not if your job is to no. draw draw plays up for a living. Um, people are raving about the staff that the Cleveland Browns have put together. The addition of Todd Munkin as offensive coordinator on Freddie Kitchen's staff in Cleveland has gotten really high reviews. Kyler Murray has declared for the NFL draft. Doesn't necessarily mean that he won't play baseball. And the D1 baseball top 25 is out. Ole Miss and Mississippi State both ranked. Both ranked in the top 15. we got a lot to get to this afternoon. We'll take a deep dive on the basketball game from Saturday, Ole Miss winning over Mississippi State in Starkville. When we come back and continue in the Renaissance Bank studio with you, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. So I learned something last night. Landed in uh, in Memphis around 9 o'clock. It was kind of one of those like planes, trains, and automobiles weekend where none of the travel went quite like it was supposed to. And the flight attendant comes over the, uh, the the speaker system in the plane. We we had come from Charlotte to Memphis, and she said, "The uh, welcome to Memphis. The local time is uh, about an hour later than Charlotte time." 
So I learned last night. So Memphis time is about an hour later than Charlotte time. It's possible. <laughs> Which is extremely inaccurate, by the way. What do you mean? It's Why earlier. It in... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that part of it. She she was wrong on that front uh, as well. So uh, interesting. Uh, hmm. It was one of those days. So I was in Columbia, South Carolina. They were supposed to play at noon on Saturday. Missouri and South Carolina. Missouri didn't make it out ahead of the snowstorm. And people were kind of critical of that, like, what, you didn't have the weather channel? So apparently they had been in contact with their charter company, and the charter company said, oh, we'll get you out, no problem. And then a different plane went off the runway in Columbia, like skidded off the runway in the snow and the ice, and so they shut the entire airport down. And by that point, they couldn't get on a bus and get to St. Louis or Kansas City or anywhere. And Anyway, so... Played men's basketball on a Sunday yesterday and then made it home last night. All right, so Saturday, Ole Miss upsets Mississippi State 81-77. Is upset the right word? I, I mean, I guess based on what you had going into that, Mississippi State being ranked uh, 14th. It was a five-and-a-half-point line, so technically, okay. yeah. Okay, so it's Saturday upset. was an upset. Today it's not. No, things have uh, have changed in the polls and in the net rankings and all those things. We'll get to that coming up in uh, in just a bit. Uh, let's start out with just kind of a, a peek at the box score. I, I would say, uh, and certainly we'll defer to you guys that were actually there, but from, from where I was watching, there's no question that the biggest story in the game was the play of Blake Henson. 38 minutes for the freshman, five threes. He has a career-high 26 points to go along with five rebounds, a couple of steals, an assist, and a block and was just the difference. And and Mississippi State had trouble closing out on him on three-point attempts in the second half, and he made some really, really big shots. Yeah, he did, and he kind of relished in the whole moment and the environment. And you've seen that since they started SDC play. He plays with a great deal of emotion, and particularly in that Auburn game, I kind of noticed it start to come out, and he talked about it afterwards. He just kind of thrives in in situations like that like he said it was a great atmosphere he kind of fed off it and like you said made some big shots you know Mississippi State didn't really have have much of an answer for him and Kermit Davis has said from the beginning of the year he thinks he you know that Henson has the potential to end up being an all-league player and I think you saw flashes of that on Saturday for Mississippi State Quindary Weatherspoon had 18 points Lamar Peters had 16 one thing hey Dan that I, that I think you got to look at when you look at those two guys stat lines those are the two primary ball handlers for Mississippi State, and they combined for nine turnovers in the game. And it, it feels like it's kind of feast or famine with Peters. You'll look at that stat line, and he's got seven assists and one turnover, or he's got like three or four assists and four or five turnovers. Yeah, yeah, and then that's been a problem all year, the inconsistency. But more important for those two guys were they took, you know, two of those our three final shots there and, you know, just – basically hero balled them up, just came down and, and took a three-pointer, contested early in the shot clock instead of just trying to run something through the offense and trying to get some ball movement and get somebody an open look. And that's what's very frustrating when those of you are supposed to be your leaders. They've got to know better than just to throw it up there you know, with, with that much time left on the shot clock in a, in a situation like that, and they didn't. And that's, that's one of the main reasons Mississippi State lost this game is because they didn't, you know, what Ben Hallen described as they didn't trust each other. You might call it selfish play or, like I said, hero ball. But whatever happened, Mississippi State didn't do a good job of finding open shots where Ole Miss did in the final minutes. 
When you start looking at foul numbers and free throws after the fact, sometimes it's skewed because a lot of times you'll see that the foul numbers end up being pretty close to equal. Both Ole Miss and Mississippi State were called for 17 fouls. Not a huge disparity in free throws. Ole Miss goes 15 of 20 from the line. Mississippi State goes 11 of 16. I I worked with Andy Kennedy yesterday. One of the things that we talked about kind of off the air, uh, the the game that, that we did yesterday between South Carolina and Missouri had a really veteran crew. There were two lead officials on that crew yesterday. The crew that did the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game on Saturday was a young crew, and it was like all secondary officials. There was not, you didn't have a Tony Green or a Joe Lindsay, or even despite the way he's criticized all the time, a Ted Valentine or somebody like that on the crew. How did you guys feel, not necessarily about specific calls, but kind of overall with how that officiating crew Manage the game. Did they keep it in check? Were they able to keep it under control? For, for hey, Dad. Me, yeah, I mean, it was. It, it, you know, I only officials are sort of like offensive linemen. You notice them when they're bad. And I, for me, I thought the game was was pretty fairly called. Obviously, there's some missed calls. There was that bad uh, double dribble at the end of the uh, second half, and there were a couple other, you know, iffy calls on, on both sides either way. But for me, I, I, I wasn't blown away by how poor the officiating was. Do you have a thought on that, Rippy? I thought they kept control of the game pretty well because it was getting chippy on both sides. And obviously you had, I think you had a double technical and then two additional technicals from Ole Miss, total of three. Henson got one. Bruce Stevens got one. I don't remember off the top of my head where the third one came from. Hey, Dad may remember. Didn't Kermit get one? No. No, he he got a – a coach's box warning, and then almost oh, was, immediately was, after that, it was Buffin. It was KJ Buffin. That's right. That was the that's one that, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and most most all of them were warranted uh, it, to some degree. I mean, once you get the first one, you have to know you're not going to be able to get away with as much afterward. And they kept kind of chirping and taunting at each other, but I don't think it got like. You know, I know the buzzword around here is toxic. I don't think it got there at all. I think it was a good, fun, chippy game. <laughs> is it okay to separate football and basketball without trying to tie them together? It's hard to, would, though, yeah. when you have two games played in a similar manner like that, right? I mean, obviously, football yeah. got way more out of control. Hey, Dad, was there a point in the game where you thought Mississippi State had taken control and they were going to be able to hold on? In the first half, I, I thought so. They were playing so well, with, and they were playing well through their freshmen. Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard came in for a few minutes there in the first half, and MSU, that's when they pushed out to that 10-point lead. Woodard was playing really well. Perry was, was getting – State was doing really well down low, dominating the boards. They were hitting shots, and, and the, you know, the crowd was into it, and I felt, okay, I think State maybe could push out here to a, a 14-, 15-point lead and maybe just sort of you know take control of this game. And like I said, that's when Ole Miss sort of you know put the brakes on that and was able to get back in the game. And part of that was you know Robert Woodard, who was sort of the spark plug for that whole run, played six minutes in the first half and had seven points, and then only played uh, I'm played eight minutes in the first half and had seven points. Only played one minute in the second half. Uh, came out after that run and never got back into the game. I asked Ben Hallen about that after the game. He called it a coaching error to not put him back in. And it sounds like he could have been a little more of an answer for. Henson? Yeah, that's, that's what that's what Howland said. He said, that's the guy I should have had matched up on Henson. And it just, it just drives 
for me as as, a, as an analyst, it always drives me crazy when head coaches say, well, I should have done this and should have done that. You're the head coach. You can do whatever you want. You know, no one's going to question you. Put, put whatever you want in the game. Put the walk-ons in. Nobody cares. You're, you're the coach. So, you know, when I hear a coach say, oh, I should have done that, well, you know, should have, would have, could have, it made a huge difference in the game, in my opinion. There was a stretch in the first half, and, and it was, what, maybe three or four minutes of game time where I thought Reggie Perry was the best player on the floor. Yeah, he, yeah, he was playing really well. He, like I said, he, the, there was that, that moment where State pushed out to that 10-point lead. They were being driven by their freshmen. Woodard and Perry were playing way, way above the freshman label for sure. And, and you know, Perry was getting rebounds, getting steals, playing great defense, and you know doing what he could on the offensive end. And Woodard was hitting shots, playing with great en- energy. And it, it just sort of all, you know, the air just came out of the balloon there uh, with just a little bit left in the first half when Ole Miss got back into, into the game. Hey, Dad, what about Eric Holman? I think he's probably the best pure shooter on Mississippi State's team. I heard Clark Kellogg say at one point during the broadcast, there's not a prettier release, a prettier jump shot in America than what Eric Holman's got. But he seems to be a pretty big liability on the defensive end, and he only took five shots in the game. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be in there for your offense, you got you got to get some more some more looks. I think part of that was you know Lamar and Q sort of unable to get the ball to him. But Holman's defense has become a liability. The two, last two power forward states played against, 25 points and then 26 points on Saturday for Blake Henson. Holman's got to be better defensively. He wants to continue to be part of this uh, this lineup, I would think. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. Coming up, what does this mean going forward? So Ole Miss wins, Mississippi State loses. Rebels are 3-0 and in league play. Mississippi State's 0-2. Both teams have really big games tomorrow night at home. Take a look at the polls, at the net, and some other thoughts as we look at what's next for the Rebels and the Bulldogs when we return in the Renaissance Bank studio. So one of the things about college basketball, a little bit different than football. I mean, you lose a football game and you got a week to stir on it. Usually Sunday you're mad. Monday, you're still mad. Tuesday, it's more frustration. Wednesday, you start to feel a little bit better. Thursday, you've turned the page. And by Friday, you're ready to run through a wall and go play football again, like from a fan perspective. Uh, unless it's the dreaded open date where you, <laughs> you have a loss and then you got two weeks to get ready for the next game. College basketball is just not like that. And for Mississippi State and Ole Miss, regardless of which team you're talking about, from an outcome standpoint, if you're Mississippi State, to use a football term, you can't let that game beat you twice. And if you're Ole Miss, you better not still be celebrating a win against your arch rival in state on Saturday with one of the, the most athletically gifted teams in the SEC coming to your place on Tuesday. And hey, Dad, that, that's the thing about it. It's not even the normal Wednesday turnaround. This is a yeah. Saturday, Tuesday turnaround. You got to put that one behind you in a hurry, regardless of whether you won it or lost it. Yeah, the coaches talk about it all the time. Don't let the same team beat you twice. And 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 for Mississippi State, you know, I, I was wondering if that was going to be the case with the South Carolina game. To be totally honest with you, and were they going to let the, the hangover of that game affect them twice? I don't think that's why they lost. I think Ole Miss mm-hmm. just played a better game and won the game. Um, but for this game, it would stated zero and two. I think you do have to worry about this team mentally a little bit because. 
you know, I think they were they thought that they had turned it around. They had such a great non-conference uh, run, and they thought, you know, hey, we, great chance to, to win some games here at the beginning of the conference season, and now you don't, and you're playing a Florida team that's, I mean, Florida's just not very good. They're 9-6. and six. They've lost two of three to start conference play. They lost to that same South Carolina team that you did. Tennessee handled, handled them pretty easily on Saturday. So, you know, the Bulldogs have got to get, to get it together and get it together quick because a loss to Florida is really going to put things into a spiral. They've got to get this game. So you, you look at the way Florida has lost in their first, you know, two of their first three, uh, it feels like everybody's losing to Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee yeah. is a juggernaut right now. Yes. They lose on a length of the floor, perfect pass and dunk to lose their SEC opener. And they hold on for dear life against Arkansas in the midweek game. And then they lose to Tennessee. This is a huge game for Florida, but they do have one win, whereas Mississippi State's sitting there with a zero in the win column. So certainly a a big deal. You guys have heard me say this for a while now, and and I certainly like Mike White and want to see him do well at Florida. I just don't think Florida's real good right now. Yeah. Now, Kayvon Allen's starting to come to life a little bit, and they've got three really good freshmen, but they're not a very good offensive team. Well, you got to see them in uh, in the Bahamas, right? What did I you did. think of them then? Well, that's kind of where my impressions come from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And is it Andrew Nimhard, the uh, the freshman point guard? I think he's really good. Kavarius Hayes plays hard all the time. He's just kind of limited. Yeah. He's he's not a pro. He he's a Solid college basketball player. And then they got a couple of other freshmen. Noah Locke's pretty good, and there's another guy I can't remember his name. I was thoroughly unimpressed with Kayvon Allen and Jalen Hudson. Hudson just has no interest in playing defense. None. But if he's lighting it up offensively, maybe you can live with that. Well, he hadn't been lighting it up offensively. Kayvon Allen seems like a really good dude that just kind of has lost his way in college basketball from... What a, a a sophomore All SEC player to just can't figure it out anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned Hudson; he was one of seven on Saturday against Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. How many did Allen finish up with in that game? He 17? had eighteen points. 18, eighteen points on six of nine shooting. He was five of six from behind the arc. Look, I mean, if he gets going, they become a more dangerous team. Certainly, mm-hmm. the the Not current beat anybody. Net- not going to beat anybody shooting 35% as a team, though. No. Mississippi, there's no question Mississippi State is better offensively than Florida. I, can, can Mississippi State get better defensively? That's, I guess that's the million-dollar question. I, or I have to answer it. You know, will they better if they want to start winning games? Because you can't let these guys down low get you for 25 points, 26 points. You, know, you can't let the guys who aren't average, who aren't the leading scorers Become leading scorers. That, that that just doesn't work. You know, it's one thing if you know if, if Allen goes off and gets twenty points on MSU. Well, you expected that, but when it's that guy who's averaging five or six points a game that's getting you twenty five, twenty six points, that's a problem. That's how you're going to lose. So yeah, State's got to get that squared away pretty quickly if they want to start winning ball games. Hey, Dad, you were um, you, you were a little bit Nostradamus, uh, although it was couched in what if last week when you said. You know, if Ole Miss is able to go into Starkville and pull the upset, then we're going to be sitting here Monday talking about Ole Miss being ranked higher than the Bulldogs in the AP poll. Yeah. And ranked higher in the net. And that's exactly what you've got. Ole Miss is up to number 24 in the net rankings, which frankly should 
make its opponents happy because all of a sudden that's a really good opportunity for a win. Also means they're pretty good. And Ole Miss, who got not one vote in the AP poll last week, jumps in and makes its debut for the first time in how long, Rippy? Six years? Yeah, 20. In the AP poll. 12 2013 season, I believe. Henderson's first year. Marshall Henderson, that is. That's a long time between appearances in the AP Top 25. And Borky, I mean, we, we over. We downplay polls all the time, right? I mean, we, we all talk about, oh, yeah, but they don't really matter. They, the only one that matters is, you know, whatever, the final poll or the selection committee or the college football playoff committee, et cetera. But if you haven't been in the top 25 in six years and you're trying to build some momentum, that matters for Ole Miss right now, doesn't it? It's something that you can sell. You can sell it to your fans who... Haven't been reluctant to show up to to the pavilion because, based on my outside looking in, I haven't been to the arena very often. But it looks like the crowds are a little bit better in the pavilion, probably because it's a new building. But it, it gives you something to sell before you build where you're going. Because this, I was telling somebody this morning, very well could be Kermit Davis's worst team at Ole Miss when you consider what he took over and how he's got a couple of bigs that that don't contribute a whole lot and his other two bigs are freshmen. It it gives you something tangible to sell to your fans who it's not a basketball school, people will tell you that. More people go to the baseball games than basketball games. It's a sellable tangible item that until you start making tournaments which they can't do for another 2 months, you can put out there and project to people because nobody cares about the net right now, not your casual fan. But yeah. they do care about a top 25 poll. The only thing that I would disagree with that you said is that the crowds are better because of the new building. I, I think the new wore off the first season on, on the, the new venue because crowds were not good last year at all. Yeah, that, I mean, the the first season there, they were better because of the building. But it's still nobody's until now, until Tuesday, and then until tomorrow, they still weren't getting any considerable basketball crowd i from what i've seen it's a new type of new like it's the newness of kermit davis and the new style they play because while borky's right they they weren't fantastic crowds but i actually thought for those three games they played in december for that time of year with no one being on campus they had two or three pretty good crowds in the and I'm, I'm thinking of San Diego, Gulf Coast, and whoever the other one was in between. I think ULM, maybe. Okay. Um, I thought those were pretty good December crowds. We were actually talking about this with Kermit Davis the other day, just kind of off to the side, and he was, you know, asking kind of what it was relative to years past. And that, you know, the general consensus was they were a little bit better. And then obviously, you see, once they get some real momentum, you get nights like last Tuesday. Hey, Dad. So opposite end of the spectrum, if the AP ranking really does matter for Ole Miss, does the fact that Mississippi State stayed in the AP Top 25, does that matter at all right now? Or is all of the extra stuff with regard to rankings, whether it's net or polls or whatever, just for right now, is that just kind of superfluous? It's got to give you, if you're an MSU fan, a little bit of confidence that other people see something in your team to want to keep them in that top 25 at this point, that they think even though they've lost these two games, this is still one of the top 25 teams in the country, and they deserve to be ranked. So I, I, I would imagine it's a little bit 
of a confidence booster, and, and state fans are you know they're going to be disappointed in what happened last week. But that should be a, a little bit of a sign that this team isn't done, and that this team still has good basketball to play ahead of it, and that they're going to you know continue to to march a path to the NCAA tournament. I know I know coaches are going to coach speak. I, I get that, but when I was visiting with Frank Martin yesterday morning, completely unrelated to anything we were talking about, he talked about how talented Mississippi State was. And how many good players. And I don't think that Kermit Davis's postgame comments about Mississippi State being a really good basketball team were lip service. I mean, he could have just focused on the win or whatever. Right. So to your point, I think other people are still looking at Mississippi State going, that's a good basketball team. But at some point, you got to get it together and, you win. and string together some wins. Yeah. Does that start tomorrow night? To be determined. <laughs> That's a good, strong take on a Monday, hey, Dad. To be determined. I, I have not decided yet. I'll, t- I'll tell you tomorrow. Only because I've been promising it for a little while now. The rest of what happened in the SEC in basketball this weekend. Tennessee beat Florida 78-67. Excuse me, in Gainesville. Auburn bounces back from the loss earlier in the week, 93-78. They win by 15 at home over Georgia. Kentucky-Vanderbilt, ugliest game of the weekend, 56-47. Cats beat Vandy. Texas A&M on a buzzer beater, 81-80 over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. LSU wins in overtime over Arkansas, 94-88. And then yesterday it was South Carolina, 85. Missouri, 75 so right now, exactly the way everybody predicted it was going to be, Tennessee and Ole Miss and South Carolina are all 3-0 and to start league play. That's what we all thought it was going to look like. Then LSU's 2-0. and Say what? One of those things I thought. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Man, how good are the Vols? They, they, they may be the best team in the country. I was about to say they've they've established themselves as head and shoulders probably the best team in the SEC. Um, I think Auburn probably has the second highest ceiling, maybe more so than Kentucky. Actually, I think definitely more so. But yeah, Tennessee yeah. is really good. So then, what's wrong with Kentucky? And, and I say wrong loosely. Uh, I'm sure it's still a very good team, but nobody is talking about Kentucky even in a sense that hey, it's January by March, you don't want to play them anymore. I'm not even hearing that from people that cover basketball. So what's the deal with Kentucky circa 2019? They don't have uh, Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins type player. They have good players, but they don't have a guy who's like, that guy's going to be the first pick in the draft good. I think Keldon Johnson's the best player on that team. And unless you're – you know, pretty locked into college basketball, you might not have ever heard that name before. Um, you know, why the, the, the question of why is Kentucky like they are? Like what's happening on the floor that is making them look very pedestrian? They're not making shots and they're not defending the three. They've got the worst three-point field goal defense in the SEC – and they're not consistently making shots. If Tyler Hero, who I think by the time it's all said and done is going to be really, really good at Florida, excuse me, at Kentucky, was doing 
was knocking shots down at the pace that they thought he would, then Kentucky would be scary. They just don't have anybody that's making a ton of shots, though. And you hit on it from what... I haven't watched Kentucky much this year, but from watching the lim- in a limited capacity and hearing Cal after some of these games and TV interviews, seems very frustrated with how they defend consistently, particularly on the perimeter. Yeah, and, and look, Nick Richards and P.J. Washington individually could be and should be two of the most dominant players in the SEC. They just don't look terribly interested in being consistently one of the most dominant players in the SEC or in college basketball. And I don't understand that. I think they're still going to be there at the end, though. Because you've seen Cal with a couple of these teams now, where people knock Cal as a coach, but you got to give him credit in the sense that when he has years that start off like this, most of the time they kind of put it together mid-February. Sands is an exception or two, especially that NIT year where they got beat. But By Robert Morris yes. on the road. <laughs> On an incredible out-under draw-up, by the way, if you ever go back and watch that. but Does anybody you know, remember an NIT game, any NIT game, more than Kentucky and Robert Morris? That's the I can't one tell one you I who won the, the thing last year, and I still remember Kentucky and Robert Morris. Yeah. Richard, when, when Rick Barnes was hired, were you? my thought was, that's a good hire. I never thought... A few years later, he would have the best team in the SEC. I, I agree with you. I, I thought that's a really solid hire for Tennessee. That's a guy that's going to be able to kind of stabilize things there. Um, I tell you, when my opinion changed of them, I did a I did a Tennessee game like three years ago. So I guess it was in his first year, and he was incredibly engaging. And you, you immediately realize that this is a guy with a wealth of basketball knowledge. And you forget the number of NBA players that he's coached. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, Kevin Durant played for yeah. Rick Barnes for one year. And they had some dudes at Texas that, that played for him. But he had the reputation of never being able to win the big one despite getting a ton of great players at Texas. And so that's kind of a stigma that you get stuck with. I was immediately impressed with the teacher that he was. That doesn't always translate to that means you're you're going to win a ton of games. But man, the the way that Admiral Schofield has transformed Gary Parrish was talking about it last week. And and I think Borky, did you point this out last week that um Tennessee does not have a single top 100 player on their roster? Not a single top 100 player on that roster. Grant Williams was wanted by a bunch of people, but he wasn't a top 100 guy. And I think it came down to Harvard and Tennessee. Like, his mom is a rocket scientist at NASA, and she wanted him to go to an Ivy League school. And Tennessee somehow convinced him on the the academic prowess. Um, But but the way they put together that roster, and I heard an interview that Rick Barnes was doing... um, with uh, with Mike Shashevsky on his radio show a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Look, he said, we, we don't. I mean, we're happy to take guys that are highly rated and have got a bunch of stars." He said, "But my assistant coaches and I've been together a long time, and we know what kind of a player we're looking for that will fit within the system that we're trying to run." 
And so you look at that roster and you go, okay, well, Jordan Bone's pretty good, and Kyle Alexander's pretty good. They got the top two scorers in the SEC in Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. Number one and number two. That's going to win you some games right there. And then they get a bunch of other dudes that can play in the event that one of those guys isn't clicking on all cylinders like at Missouri last week. This might blow your mind. Admiral Schofield's offer sheet coming out of high school. Tennessee, obviously. West Virginia, good program. Only three more offers. Wisconsin Green Bay, Wisconsin Milwaukee, and Walford. That's it. That's pretty he would impressive. have made the Terriers a tournament team, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. They play with an attitude, too. Like, they'll let you yes. know they're beating you. That's kind yes. of my favorite part of watching them. Like, he's they're, trending toward Commander of the Pacific Fleet Schofield. If he continues they're, they're, to play, they play like, like this. men, and they let you know nice. they play like men. Big time. <laughs> there was a little bit of a delayed reaction there on that one, boys. Come on. I caught it. I, I caught I, it. I, I didn't want to interrupt Hey Dad. <laughs> oh, me. Um, LSU's 2-0. and I think they're pretty good. LSU had a couple of kind of suspect losses early, and the biggest reason that, that you questioned them was because they had they should have beaten Florida State early in the season. Tournament they were playing in Orlando, and they just coughed that one up. And then they lost to an Oklahoma State team that's pretty average, also while they were in Orlando. Their only other loss is to Houston, who's Really good, and it was on the road, and that was a close game the entire way. Five wins in a row for LSU. They beat St. Mary's on the road. They beat Furman, who was top 25 at the time. They beat ULM. They win against Alabama, and they went on the road against Arkansas. And they're playing well. But here's the thing. Hey, Dad, so, so we're looking at the overall standings, and if you're Mississippi State, you go, oh, and 2-3. Half the league has got at least two losses. Arkansas, yeah. Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Missouri, and Vanderbilt all have at least two losses. Yeah. yeah not, 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 nothing's over. Nothing's written in stone for Mississippi State yet. But that said, they got they got to put it together quickly. I mean, you look at their next four games, and that was my poll question today. You know, Florida and, Va- and at Vandy, you feel like you can win those. Then you're at Kentucky, and then Auburn comes to start full. I mean, you really need to be two and two at worst in this stretch. And if you could find a third win, that would be great. But one and three, and then you're you know you're one and five in the league. You still got trips to Auburn and Tennessee to come at the end of the season. You got to go to the Pavilion. I don't I don't know how much you know I don't know how many wins you can start predicting if this team's one and five. They they need to find a way to go two and two in their next four at worst. That's good going to be kind of the thing with this league though this year right with the good teams is not letting two games turn into four because you yeah. don't have the breaks that you've had in years past so how do you not let it turn into four of five or five of seven or something like that yeah well and what's the we'll go cliche time for you right what's the old adage what's the best way if you find yourself in a hole what's the best way to get out stop digging yeah don't don't dig the hole any deeper for yourself than you're in right now. That's got to start tomorrow night. You, you you toyed around and and you never quite let yourself do it. Hey, Dad, with the idea of must win for Mississippi mm-hmm. State against Ole Miss. Yeah. yeah, it's probably time to pull must win out for this one tomorrow night. I agree. All right, we will transition to the NFL next in the Renaissance Bank Studio. 
Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Which game of the four division round games was the best game? You know, we talked going in about the fact that Chiefs, Colts, because you had the weather, because it was two high-scoring offenses, was going to be the most fun to watch. That was a prediction going in. I don't know that that's the one you would say it was the most fun to watch when it was all said and done. So which of the four division games was the best viewing experience? It's got to be the Saints, right? I mean, that was the best. That was the closest game. You're a homer. I know. I, I can't get around that. But, I mean, that was the closest game. It had the most intrigue. Um, you know, you had the... The big underdog go up early, and then the, the the favorite had to fight back to win. I, I, I don't see how that's not the choice. I mean, it's certainly not the Patriots. The Chiefs blew out the uh, the Colts. I mean, the Cowboys-Rams game had its moments, but from start to finish, I think it's the Saints. Yeah, the yeah, Rams always Saints felt in control. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, because like, like the Cowboys found their footing a little bit, and the score was close, but I agree with Borky. Like, it never felt like Dallas was really, like, I mean, they were in the game, but not really. I guess if that makes any sense at all. Hey, so what was so the the ninety two yard eleven minute twenty nine second drive that put the Saints on top, and then they played a song on the you know through the speakers, cameras going, and apparently the the dome roof nearly like exploded. Yeah, what, what happened? What, what have I missed? Chopper style. It's a, a rapper from New Orleans. His name is Choppa. And it, when did this song come out? Hey, Dad, like 15 years ago? It's an yes, old song. I'm the go-to for hip-hop, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you, you would know it more than I would, but... I, it, I don't know When, the when did this become a thing for the Saints, though? When did Choppa style become this a thing? This year. Yeah, in the this locker year. room, Teddy Bridgewater does this goofy dance where he like hops on one foot and acts like he's like turning over a motorcycle. And I mean that—that's from like week five or six. There's a video of him doing that in the locker room, and ever since, because Choppa's from New Orleans, they've been playing that song everywhere. And like you saw a picture of Dan Mullen with a recruit this weekend, lean back, looking like an idiot with his khakis and his button up, doing uh, Choppa style. <laughs> oh, yeah, Choppa style. Yeah, I know all about that. Yeah, let's get after it. Let's go. Yeah, let's effort. But but that's where that came from. It, it was a goofy <laughs> dance that Teddy Bridgewater was doing in the locker room, and now it's it's everywhere. Pleated baggy khakis with some Jordan Retro 3s on or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Just just guessing. Uh, Okay, so Choppa style. Has that replaced the the big Houdat song? Oh, they do them both. Oh, they do everything, yeah. Okay. You guys going to, like... Mortgage your house and uh, make a run to New Orleans next weekend. I just looked at get-in prices, two seventy right now to get in the door. I so I regret not last week, like Wednesday or Thursday, you could get in the door for about one hundred and forty bucks, and I was like, you know what? If they go down to around one twenty or so, one hundred bucks, I'll go. And then hmm. they turned up to in the two hundreds again before kickoff. I should have pulled the trigger because now there's no shot that I can afford going to this game on Sunday. I'll be honest with you, 270 does not sound like crazy unreasonable for an NFC championship game. I'm not saying no, that it's cheap no. by any stretch oh, of the no. imagination. I just thought you were going to tell me that like get in the door price was you know three, four, five hundred dollars. No, two seventy right now. That's a reasonable that... price for the NFC championship game. Yeah. Hey Dad, are you gonna make a run to the dirty dirty or to I'm sorry, that's Atlanta, to uh, the big easy this weekend? He'll go to Atlanta uh, just in a couple weeks. 
Yeah, I'm saving that trip. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to find the biggest Falcon fan I know and crash at their house. Uh, no, I'm not planning a trip to New Orleans this weekend, though. If the Saints go to the Super Bowl, will you entertain the possibility of trying to go? I might. I, I would entertain the possibility of possibly going to Atlanta, but I don't think I could go to the game. I just don't think I could afford that. State Ole Miss plays basketball in Oxford that Saturday too, so I'll have to work Saturday. So, mm, yeah. Just a, just a heads up. Uh, I will not be covering the women's game at Alabama on Super Bowl Sunday if the Saints are there, though. <laughs> I I will stay home and watch the Saints with no disrespect intended. No, none, none. Chiefs beat the Colts thirty-one to thirteen. Was the fact that the snow kind of stopped disappointing for you guys? Man, I was hoping it was going to yeah. be one of those games where when the player takes a step and tries to cut, you can't see his foot anymore type snow. I was so looking forward to that. Didn't happen. Didn't just kind of just snow on the field, kind of spit snow, and most of it um, most of it died along the way. Or melt, I guess melted would be the appropriate way to describe it, as opposed to uh, to died. So 31-13, Chiefs uh, beat the Colts. Rams 30-22 over the Cowboys. Patriots 41-28. So that sets up your NFC and AFC championship games. The Patriots go to the Chiefs. Both of those teams are accustomed to cold weather. But an Arctic blast that's making its way toward the Midwest has a predicted temperature of zero at kickoff, which will make it the coldest game in the history of Arrowhead Stadium. Let's go. Ice Bowl 2008-19. Let's do it. And every player will have short sleeves on. The Chiefs ought to stick a ton of thermometers in the Patriots' locker room and kind of give Belichick the business like he does other people. (laughs) What do you mean? Belichick puts thermometers in like the opposing team's locker room and tunnel in like cold playoff games. Oh really? I would just, just have like the heat somehow go how out. Cold it is. Get the heat to go out. Oh, I don't know what's happening. We'll, we'll try to get somebody down there to fix it later. Well, let me ask you this: Would you let the heat go out, or would you put it in there so hot that you can't breathe? This is getting diabolical. I like I like where your head's at, Richard Cross. I like yeah. I like that. Yeah, set the heat at like eighty five. They, and so oh, they're like oh, they're all there. toasty warm, and then they then they walk outside. It's just brutal. I like, like it when yeah. you jump into a hot tub when you're cold. Yes, shock the system. Huh. Um. Will that favor one team or the other? It shouldn't, right? I mean, just because both of them they're are both used cold to weather teams. They're both cold weather teams. Only one team has Tom Brady, though. That is a true statement. Only one team has Tom Brady. Are you going to pick the Patriots? 100%. I'm already locked in on that. We deserve this. We deserve a Breeze-Brady Super Bowl. You would really want New England in the Super Bowl against the Saints? I want, yes. I want the Saints. I, I want Drew Brees to ascend to the elite of elite tiers by going over Tom Brady. It's the only way. Can you believe they he beat Manning, let him beat Brady, and then we're good. Eight straight conference titles games. That's I, impressive. 2010, I guess, is the last time they haven't been to one. So 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. This is the ninth? Yeah. This is the eighth. 
This is so the yeah, they missed an they missed an eleven. Missed an eleven. Bad at math. Um, but it, it's the only league where you're like the winners designed to not keep winning. Like you played the schedules, the first place schedules, and all that. It's just it's unbelievable. Who was the last AFC title game that wasn't like when the Patriots wasn't involved? I don't even remember. Well, it, what did we just say? It was the 2011 game. Yes. So that would have been no. That's not it. So hold on. 2012 game. It's digging. He's nope. typing as fast as his Google it's, machine it's, will it's, go. <laughs> know, right. No. 2012 was Baltimore and New England. It's 2010. It's, it was 2010. Jets, Jets Steelers. Steelers. Jets. The Jets were the last. <laughs> oh man. Come on. Mark Sanchez made back-to-back AFC championship That's right. Games. The Sanchez. Everybody thought, oh, this guy's going to be the next great thing. Nope. Oh, Speaking of losers, by the way, I didn't bring this up, but how about defense in the NFL? The top four offenses, one, two, three, four in yards per game, are left, and they average number 16 in total defense. Defense doesn't win championships anymore. Just enough defense wins. Just enough. Doesn't that kind of justify these teams hiring anyone that's ever talked to or looked at Sean McVay? It In makes way, sense, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, the, the Kingsbury hire makes sense when you look at this. If he can groom a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, if he can make, if he drafts Kyler Murray like he said he would six months ago, or Josh Rosen, who's already there, if he can make him become Patrick Mahomes, there's a much better chance that they win a lot of games because offense has risen to the top here. What about this note on the C Spire text line, Brady does not win road playoff games? If you want to bet against Tom Brady, that, that's on you, man. I'm not doing it. It's a road playoff game. I mean, spent a lot of time in the friendly confines. I like the Chiefs. Hmm. <sighs> Chiefs-Saints Super Bowl? Could be. That would be fun. MVP Bowl. Brady Goff really has a nice ring to it, though, for the Super Bowl, doesn't it? Don't be that way. That's not. (laughs) No reason for that. Uh, Just saying. Just saying. All right, from the Department of You Can't Make This Up. I honestly did not read this tweet to you a minute ago because I wanted to double check and make sure it wasn't, I don't know, from the Onion. Caitlin Collins covers the White House for CNN. Eh, Stop your political comments just for a second. It's just what she does for a living. She tweets this 24 minutes ago. News. Due to the government shutdown, President Trump is personally paying for the meals that will be provided to the Clemson team during their celebration tonight. CNN has learned. Trump said he's serving McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King with some pizza. The White House issued a statement. Yes, they actually issued a statement. The president wanted to host a fun event to celebrate the college football national champion Clemson Tigers. This is according to Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley. (laughs) And then it has a political twinge that, uh, that follows, as you would expect. Because the Democrats refuse to negotiate on border security, much of the resident staff at the White House is furloughed. So the president is personally paying for the event to be catered with some of everyone's favorite fast foods. Now, I don't know. I I have. I don't know why, but I followed the smoking musket on Twitter. 
I think that's the SB Nation account for West Virginia. That's right. In all caps, the Smoking Musket tweets, and I think with this tweet wins the internet today. Trump out here getting everyone on Clemson ineligible. <laughs> uh, look I do. at this spread. I mean, is, is there not a Popeyes in Washington, D.C.? Just go get some fried chicken for everybody. Hey, Dad. Go get, go, hey, what are we hey doing? I would eat it. I absolutely 100% thought, oh, no, this isn't real. And then there's a picture. That was a picture, yeah. And it, they're lighting the candles. They're going to have quarter pounders by candlelight. Gold, gold gilded candelabras with tall candles on them being lit and silver serving trays stacked three high or six or eight high in some cases with all kinds of fast food. You got square boxes, you got Wendy's wrappers, you look like you got some plastic bowl salads. Man, Twitter Apparently is there's some pizzas somewhere. Say what? National title. Twitter's just having a ball. Brian Fisher. Win a national title. Here's a lukewarm McRib. Congrats. I do love the people turning up their noses at this though. Like you sit on you sit on your butt on Twitter all day long. Don't pretend like now you have standards. A twenty year old kid walking through the White House, seeing all that stuff, and then sitting down at a table with every fast food you can imagine is awesome for a twenty year old kid. That is the coolest day I can imagine. I love, there's no standards when you're that age. Yeah, give me a pizza, give me some Wendy's. I will put the pizza in between the burger buns and and have a McPizza if I want to. That's awesome. If I ever eat a Big Mac in the White House, I'll overreach Nirvana. (laughs) Let's be real here for a second. The president's had so many championship celebrations where they've said, nah, no thanks. He probably wanted to not have to reschedule this one in the event that something went south. Furloughed. We're not, hey, somebody go, go to Wendy's. Go to, order everything they've got right now. Do it. Well done hamburgers for everyone. <laughs> I think this is awesome. They got the baconator fries though. They do have the baconator fries at Wendy's. Those are good. But I mean, are we going to sit here and pretend? I mean, okay, maybe you wanted a, uh, a, a, a five-star meal when you went to the White House? Maybe you did. But are any of us going to sit here and pretend like we don't go through fast food drive throughs all the time? I certainly won't. Oh, they got a, they got a, they got a tray full of filet of fish Those aren't not getting eaten. Nobody's eating the filet of fish I know one person in my life that's currently with us that eats a filet of fish. And I know two people all time in my life that order, eat, and enjoy oh. a filet of fish from McDonald's. Oh, God. One is my other, is my mother. Uh. The other is my grandmother. That's it. When you said McDonald's, with I don't us, go to McDonald's thought, for seafood. I just don't. Yeah, when you said with us, I thought you were about to indict Borky. <laughs> I thought he was a big fillet of fish guy. Porky, you know, from South Carolina, he likes that. That you know, was it? What's it called? The that low country Codfish. cooking, the low country cooking of the fillet of fish. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I did fillet of fish and grits. When I moved to Mississippi all those years ago, I thought that I was never going to get a low country boil ever again. But all all that's done is replacing that with crawfish. It's the same thing. It's still amazing. 
Filet of fish boils. We could have one of those. Look, look, guys. I mean, the C Spire text line is on fire. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Hold on, let me just hit timeout for a second. This, sorry for the change of plans, is the college football fix, and it has everything to do with college football. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Don't just go to buyfordnow.com because all you can do there is look at a website and see some really cool cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs. Don't stop there. Go to your local Mississippi Ford dealer, test drive one, get great financing options, drive it home today, you'll be glad you did. Or tomorrow. They might be closed today. Go tomorrow. College football fix driven by Ford. Uh, William in Belmont. I love a double fish. Mm. Think about double fillet of fish. Yeah. Hold on. Philip and Ellisville. OMG, fillet of fish is the best. <laughs> Brad in Burnsville. My mom always got the fillet of fish. Uh, Bruce says, I love fillet of fish. So does my stepson. Would love one right about now. David in Oxford says, I would mech destroy that meal in half a second. Richard and Wiggins wants to know where the McRib is. We got an I will Hulk smash a fillet of fish. Gary asks where the Chick-fil-A is. That's a great question. You think Trump would be all over getting some Chick-fil-A at this thing? Do they have it uh, in D.C.? Surely. It's close enough to Virginia. You're in the South. Mm, John Clark yeah. Packer on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. Real Donald Trump likes fish from McDonald's. Hashtag facts. Uh, this says, well, I hope Donald Trump, Trump is not well a Clemson booster. Too, so. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Trump, yeah. Trump likes a well-done steak, too. So There are salads in this photo. You're going to go Baconator with the side salad. There's only one Chick-fil-A in Washington, D.C., so there's a good chance he's never had it. <laughs> That's got to be the busiest Chick-fil-A on the face of the earth. Ron and Newton says he loves the filet of fish and... The land, air, and sea sandwich with an image. The Big Mac plus the McChicken plus the filet of fish all on one bun. I've heard of the McDonald's secret menu. I've heard it's out there. Like, I forget what one of them is called, but they'll give you like a double cheeseburger with a McChicken in the middle of it or something like that. You just got to know what to ask for. Huh. I worked at a Zaxby's when I was 15, and if somebody just said what they wanted through the drive-thru speaker, we'd make it. Yeah. <sighs> Carol in New Albany says, I'm probably as old as your mom, and I love filet of fish. Filet of fish with extra tartar, add ketchup, tomato, and lettuce. McRib is at the Tylertown McDonald's currently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the McRib is back. I love it. This is my favorite story of the day. So ultimately, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on what the President of the United States has done? Thumbs up, man. Thumbs up. It's a bunch of 19 and 20-year-old kids. They're going to go crazy when they see it, man. Thumbs up, but I can't endorse the fish. (laughs) No, that's true. (laughs) That's a lot of good stuff right there. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm, is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. 
Do you have land financing needs? Maybe you're getting ready to build a dream house. Maybe you're just thinking about it, trying to kind of get all your ducks in a row. Maybe it's a cabin. Maybe it is a a shop that you're going to put. Or maybe you need to buy a tractor for your land. Whatever it is, Mississippi Land Bank understands land financing. They've been doing that for over 100 years now. And so they understand the challenges. They understand the products that will help you all the best. At Mississippi Land Bank, they know the lay of the land. Right now on ESPN, they are showing the line. Clemson's football players, they're coming through, grabbing plates, and piling their plates high. <laughs> you know what, though? You know what bothers me? There are going to be me? a bunch of salads left over. Government shutdown. We're trying to save money. Why not go to Five Guys and just get three orders of fries? That would have been enough for everybody. That would have been enough for three football teams. <laughs> I love it, man. The Clemson players are coming through with their phones. They're doing snap videos or you know, whatever else. They're loving it. Smiles on everybody's face. There was a comment of the guy lighting the candles. said, why is John Chavis there lighting the candles? <laughs> if you find the tweet on, on Twitter. Close until we'll get there. There was this that also said, now I almost wish Bama had won so that we could see Nick Saban throw himself between this monstrosity of a buffet and his players. (laughs) Every Clemson player coming through is videoing this spread. Sports Talk Mississippi, Renaissance Bank Studio. All right, boys, I'll give you the choice. Kyler Murray or D1 Baseball Top 25 poll? Baseball. Hey, Dad votes baseball, Rippy. Do I have to vote either? I mean, it's kind of one and the same. Yeah. Not exactly. Borky? I mean, I lean Kyler Murray because up until Clemson got a spread of fast food, that was the story of the day in the sports world. Okay. Well, we've still got time to get to baseball also. Yeah. So we'll push that back a bit. Um, Kyler Murray is declared for the NFL draft. At least that's what he told us on Twitter today. A lot of buzz over the weekend, Billy being the GM of the A's and the rest of their brass going to meet with the Heisman Trophy winner and try and convince him to stick with the A's, which is what he had said he was going to do. He's drafted with the A's, and, and by what, what I mean by it's what he said he was going to do is he signed a contract that said he was going to play baseball, and he's already received at least part of the signing bonus, $4.66 million. There are a couple of things at play here that are interesting. One, there were reports yesterday that the A's were exploring options with Major League Baseball that would allow them to offer more money or open some avenues that would allow them to pay Kyler Murray more money. There was a report out there that Murray was seeking $15 million to not go into the NFL draft. There was also a report refuting that. So... You know, report, report, report. There are people that don't like the look of this, that say, look, you agreed to play baseball. The A's have done everything they said they were going to do. you got to hold up your end of the bargain. And then there are a lot of people that are coming at it from the standpoint of, hold on a second, there is a very limited amount of time in your life, and for a lot of people, the amount of time is zero. Like, it never happens. But for some who are fortunate, there is a very limited amount of time in your life when you genuinely have leverage. 
And leverage right now is what Kyler Murray has with regard to baseball and with the A's and MLB and the draft. So where do you guys fall on this? Kyler Murray signed a contract, almost $5 million, going to play ball with the Oakland Athletics organization. Not guaranteed, though, that he gets to the big leagues. If he's a first-round draft pick, it is a virtual guarantee that he will be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So let's go a little roundtable here. Rippy, I'll start with you. Where do you fall on the Kyler Murray should live up to what he's already said he's done or he should take advantage of the leverage that he has right now? So we were actually, I think, I guess we would have been arguing this on Friday. I was football. The other, uh, Hey Dad and Borky were team baseball. I just think he's going to. But, but hold on. Let me, let me specify. This is not, do you think he should play football or do you think he should play baseball? I'm fine with the guy making the decision for whichever sport he wants to play. My, my question is, do you have an issue with the fact that he signed a contract after being a first-round draft pick to say, I'm going to play baseball, and now he's kind of crawfishing on it and using the leverage that he's got of possibly being a first-round pick after winning the Heisman Trophy to say, yeah, I may go the football route. No, I have no problem with that. Okay. Because they let it, one, they let him play the college football season, which honestly was a courteous thing to do by them, but probably a mistake. And two, if you have leverage, I don't have any problem with him using it. Uh, hey, Dad. First off, Rippy just made a really good point there. If we could go back a few months, there is no way the A's would let him play this season. No way. No. Nope. Because knowing what we know now, there's no way that would have happened. Uh, I, I still think he should he should play baseball, but I don't disagree that he's got a chance to, to leverage this into more money. By all means, young man, do do that. Take care of yourself and take care of your family. No, I will never begrudge anyone making a living such as their interests don't conflict with mine. Borky? Yeah, I'm team leverage. I, I thought that if I was in his position, I, I would have stuck with baseball for different reasons. But, I mean, very few times in life will you have yourself in a position of leverage and the people that say he should, you know, he should play baseball because that's what he said he was going to do first have never been actually in that situation. Because if ever a day comes where you have a job, even if, if you just accept a new job and then shortly thereafter your dream job comes calling, you're going to go take your dream job. It's, if you say that he should play baseball because that's what he said he was going to do first, you've never been faced with that kind of decision. If this is a better situation, he will make more money, by the way, at least up front. And he would rather play football. That's what he should do, regardless if he signed the contract with the A's or not. Yeah, so I, I think we're all on the same page here. Because... Life changes along the way, right? I mean, when he was drafted and he signed a contract with the A's, Kyler, let's be honest for a second, Kyler Murray had never started a game in football yeah. at the University of Oklahoma. And then three months later, a 100 days later, he wins the Heisman Trophy. The circumstances changed. I, I'm all about living up to your word, and living up to a contract. But if there's a way to get out of the contract, and clearly there is, 
I mean, so so what's the penalty for Kyler Murray if he doesn't go with the A's to play baseball? He's got to return his signing bonus. Okay, that's significant, right? So so if the A's have given him $2 million of that $4.5 million bonus, he has to return that $2 million. Got to pay it back. Okay, that's fair. You, you do your thing. But here's the bottom line. You got an opportunity to choose what it is that you want to do with your life going forward. And it just so happens that that choice is um, tied to millions of dollars. It'd be nice if we were all that so lucky. Let, let, let's pull this to a smaller level and tell me if this makes sense. You, uh, who, who should we use as an example here? Let, let, since, uh, since Rippy is the most recently in college, actually still in college. So, so let's say that, that Rippy, uh, is not in this journalism business. He's actually in a business where there is a lucrative future in front of him. Let, let's say that he is an accounting major and after his senior year, but before he starts back to get his master's in accounting, he goes and does an internship with a big four accounting firm. Let's just say it's KPMG. And at the end of the summer, they really liked you. And KPMG offered you uh, a guaranteed job when you're done with your master's. But then you go back to do your master's. And in the meantime, you decide that, yeah, accounting's always going to be there, but this consulting firm's pretty attractive also. And now a consulting firm comes all over and they offer to triple the salary that KPMG was going to pay you. I may not be using the right whatever. You get where I'm going with this. They're going to triple the salary and you're going to be doing something a little bit different. And it's something that you actually like a little bit more. Would anybody be mad at you or would we be debating whether or not it's okay for you to back out of your deal with KPMG to go work for McKinsey and Company. No. Was that a terrible analogy? Or we, or no, we okay it, it made sense because, I mean, that's exactly what's happening here. It's if, if you were faced with that situation, you'd make the same decision he's making. Right. I mean, I came down when we, when I got this job, Richard, I came down to Jackson, talked to you, talked to, to Michael, talked to the other people at Super Talk, talked to Kim, who you mentioned earlier, shook everybody's hands, took the job. If I had driven back to Starkville and somebody in the Mississippi State had been like, we want, you know, Neil Price is leaving. We want you to be the play by play guy. Guys, I'm making the phone call. It's like, hey, it's not, not going to work out. I mean, that's just how life goes. When better offers come up, you're allowed to take them. Steve Holly on Twitter made a pretty good point. Said Murray didn't marry the A's. He entered a business deal. And if he got really injured this year, you better bet they would have found a way to drop him and that's recoup their losses. A great. Point. I don't know if that's necessarily. I don't know if they actually would have done that, but you would have. They would have at least explored it, wouldn't you think? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and in the same way. Let's I say bet that, that was in the um, contract. I bet that was in the. I bet there was. If you suffer a debilitating injury, this contract is going to be null and void. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, so. and what about this? Let, let's say that Lincoln, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that Cliff Kingsbury decides to take the number one draft pick of the Arizona Cardinals and select Kyler Murray number one, and it's a 15 million dollar deal. Okay, they're going to pay him his 15 million dollars, however much of it's guaranteed. But if he sucks in the NFL for three years, you know what the Arizona Cardinals are going to do? They're going to cut him 
and they're not going to pay him a dime that they are not obligated to pay because that's how NFL contracts work. You get cut, you don't get paid anything outside of your guaranteed money. And that's the thing that I think is hard for us to wrap our minds around sometimes. We talk about it being a business for players. For the teams, it is the ultimate business. We just don't talk about that side of it as much. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.